Welcome to iPhone. Welcome everybody to episode 44 of i4o. Um, we got a pretty jam-packed episode this week. Um, and I said this during the pre-show, I didn't get to say it live yet, but it was incredibly difficult finding shows that didn't have to do with a particular topic last week that um, we're going to be dedicating a little bit more time to um, on Wednesday in one of our Explains episodes. But for the sake of this one, um, there's no news about Facebook as of yet, so look forward to that episode coming out later this week. But uh, that was a real struggle, <laughs> finding finding things that weren't Facebook-related. But um, in other news, I didn't have any trouble finding Irvin and Jeff. Oh. <laughs> hey, Matt. Hey. You know you, you know where to find me all the time. <laughs> a wild Jeff to be. <laughs> what was that, Jeff? I said a wild Jeff appears. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Yeah, you haven't been on Jeff in a while. Yeah. Oh, good to have you back. It Thanks, is. man. It's good to have you back. Thanks, we missed Matt. you. I'm back. I missed you guys too. Yeah. And next time we don't have Irvin, I learned how to pilot the episode too. So we're doing pretty good. <laughs> Irvin took me under his wing and showed me his ways. You're losing your job security. <laughs> <laughs> I am. Fine. But, um,. You know who else is losing their job security? <laughs> All of Uber. <laughs> but uh, oh, yeah, to just force ourselves into the into the first topic. Yeah. Um, it's not looking too good for Uber this week. Um, and I feel like that's, I sound like a broken record now saying that over and over <laughs> and over again. But this time it's for real. Uber has had a bit of a problem with their self-driving car um, technology. If, if anybody who has been involved in tech news has been living under a rock lately. And hasn't heard this. Um, there was the very first fatality to come from a self-driving slash autonomous vehicle uh, this past week, and um, it happened in Arizona, I believe, from yeah. Uber, Tempe, so. Arizona, uh, where Uber has been doing extensive testing, um, as as well as other companies, because uh, yeah. Arizona in particular has has laxed their laws around. Um, self-driving cars and allowed them to come in and that's where a lot of these companies are doing their tests also it's favorable because it's pretty much nice out there all the time they don't have to deal with snow or rain yeah. right. and the roads are perfect <laughs> yeah. as a result of that <laughs> yeah. it's like what they base driving simulators off of it's yeah. just all in arizona they don't have the nine million potholes that we do in the east coast <laughs> yeah, that they have to deal with <laughs> that's the real test that's yeah. the real test can they navigate the streets of philadelphia yeah, <laughs> with yeah. all those bottles, <laughs> they just dig a hole up in the road, and they're like, "Ah, oh, metal plate will do." And sometimes like, there <laughs> isn't even a metal plate. And like, I had always joked there was probably maybe fifteen of those plates for the whole city to use at any given time. <laughs> so they just leave all the rest of them as gaping holes. But just swap them around. Uh, but yeah, so the there were no gaping holes in the road during this accident. Um, they actually did release the video, and the reason why we're reporting on it. I think we might have talked about it last week, but this week they released the official video from the investigation. And um, while uh, I do, well, I don't really encourage people to watch it. It's fairly disturbing. Um, they don't show you the impact and all of the like grueling stuff. They just show you the events leading up to the accident and the immediate reaction from the driver after the accident as um, both cameras on the outside and inside of the cabin yeah. um, 
it does give you a good perspective of what happened yeah and although yeah so um we'll provide links to the video if you want to watch in our show notes again matt the the warning of it but it does show some some information curious information so the 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 uh, main police chief for who was investigating this uh stated that um it was fairly impossible to avoid hitting the person even if it was just a normal person driving and by looking at the video it does seem that the person does sort of like appear out of the darkness right in front of the car it is all of a sudden um but a lot of people um online have been uh looking at this video video and analyzing it and um there there's several theories out there to say that it could be just might that's not how it might have looked in real life if you were sitting in the cabin of the car right. uh, which is interesting um but these cars are also uh, equipped with lidar uh which is a a technology uh which uses lasers to sort of create this 3d map of the world mm -hmm. um and that could see through it doesn't rely on visible the visible spectrum right that the camera sees it can see through darkness it can detect yeah. objects through darkness and that uh, sort of also, it is failed. just a webcam video too. So yeah. the, like the dynamic range of the webcam is going to be far less than that of the human eye or yeah. from like you were saying, LIDAR. So they said it could have been, like, I'm pretty sure if you were fairly attentive, you probably could have seen this coming before it happened, but. Or at least again, try to slow yeah. it down. Right. Full speed. Into right. That. And there was a few things that look like they went wrong in this accident. Like. Uh, first off, there's no um, there's no audible warnings that we've unless they didn't release the audio of this video, but um, none that I heard uh, specifically or like none that I heard reported about. And also, um, like you were saying, lidar um, should have 100% detected this person ahead of the car, um, and that kind of leads to what. I can only assume is driver negligence because in the video, um, the driver appears to be looking down at her right side. And from what I can tell, it looks like that the person could just be texting. So um, it looks like to me, initially, this is more going to be on the driver than it is on Uber. Um, but this is the first time this has ever happened. So people don't really know where to finger point, you know, because it's an, autonomous vehicle that was in fully autonomous mode when it hit the person and um as we've seen over the week this has been opening up some uh, interesting questions being directed at uber as well about the reliability of their systems and um some of the flaws they may have been working through at that time uh, uber appears to be a little bit further behind than other self-driving car companies yeah um, um I have some mixed feelings about this. Obviously, it's a tragedy that there is a loss of life, and it brings into you know speculation whether or not the technology Uber is using is up to snuff. Um, but it should be noted, if we're making all points clear, that the person crossing was doing so illegally from you know not using a crosswalk, um, which may have caused the driver not to expect someone to be crossing the road there, and that's right. being taken into account too. Um, but you're talking about the LIDAR. Um, this article that we're referencing is stating that the stopping distance for the speed they're going should be about 25 meters or less. 
and that the LIDAR should have been capable of picking up the person crossing the road from at least like 50 meters or so. Yeah. Um, so it really does make you wonder whether or not the vehicle um, recognized the individual crossing the road, whether or not it attempted to slow down even. Um, and I, I'm assuming diagnostic data will be coming in the future. Um, but some comparative data here, like Waymo's cars, um, uses long-range LiDAR and can see about 200 meters away using that technology. Mm -hmm. So it makes you wonder, or yeah. should, should they be able to just test this technology without maybe being up to a certain code or a certain detection distance to avoid things like this? Yeah, and I, I don't really know the specifics about the software and hardware equipped on that Uber vehicle, but from the video, it looks like it is... It would have been really hard for any normal driver to stop in that scenario. Yeah. And like you're saying, the person didn't cross at a crosswalk. Um, the person also, from what I could tell, didn't have any sort of reflective uh, material on either their body or the bicycle itself that they were walking with. Right. Um, and they were in an unlit section of the street. So mm -hmm. it kind of was an uphill battle for both a person and a car to detect that. So it makes me wonder why the pedestrian crossed if they saw a car coming. I assume lights were on on the vehicle too. I mean, right. if, if this were a normal, like a standard situation not involving a self-driving car and someone wearing, a, again, in the article says a black shirt. So, and like you said, Matt, nothing reflective crosses the street in an unlit and non-crosswalk area and got struck by a ve oncoming vehicle. Would we even question the guilty party? I don't know. Right. And, I think the only reason, obviously the only reason why this is getting huge publicity is because of the self-driving factor of it. But mm -hmm. uh, I think that like this one, as with most um, accidents we've seen with um, the self-driving technology, it is the people inside of the car who are putting too much reliance on the technology mm -hmm. and <clears throat> either uh, not doing the job that they were hired for properly or um, not um, taking the necessary steps to make sure that they're taking over when the car encounters something it doesn't understand. Because I would have to assume that, um, like I talked about earlier, there was some kind of audible warning from the car. Um, the person does appear to react very late in yeah. the video. So that could lead me to believe that maybe that wasn't working as expected. So it could be kind of a combination of the two. But then again, that person was hired to watch the car, not the text while drive, not the text while it drives them around. I completely agree with that too. If you have your hands on the wheel and your foot is hovering <clears throat> on the brake because you're driving a car and you do react and see that person there, at least they could engage the physical brake and maybe be, maybe have avoided this. So mm -hmm. lots yeah. of questions. And, yeah. And it is important to note that Uber um, has halted all of their autonomous vehicle testing in the wake of this accident. So um, I'm sure there's going to be more to come out whenever we hear an official um, an official not a notice from both Uber and from the local law enforcement authorities. Yeah. So yeah, also not just Uber. Um, Waymo has halted as well. Um, okay. Yeah, I mean it's it's a big big slap in the face for this whole developing technology and. I mean, some people who were looking at this could say that eventually something like this would have been inevitable because there are scenarios where it is impossible for, let alone a person, a self-driving car, 
to avoid an accident. Um, but it was just a matter of the circumstances of that initial fatality happening with a self-driving car because people are struck by vehicles every day, probably in the hundreds. But wouldn't you, you wouldn't you imagine that this kind of test would have been run before they got the okay to test this on like the live street? Right. They should yeah. be testing in dark darkened conditions with small objects crossing their paths with little notice. I mean, I, I don't exactly know how to form what I'm trying to say, but I, I just feel like whoever gave the go-ahead for Uber to do these tests is also accountable in some way. No, you're right. Yeah, it's definitely not just the person's fault who was driving the car. It's yeah. Uber definitely has some explaining to do with their technology because there's a lot of things that should have happened that didn't happen and yeah um, the fact that like i was like saying the person just due to the the way they reacted and it indicated that there was very little warning given to the the person monitoring the car yeah so yeah uber's got some splaining to do on this one yeah i'm I'm sure they're doing the due diligence and in terms of investigating this and and we'll we'll definitely find out more information as the time goes on they said they've been fully cooperating with the law enforcement in the area too so yeah definitely we're going to be this is i doubt this is the last time we're going to talk about this i agree yeah but um one there's a bit of good news that happened this week also um good good, move good for who Good for yeah, good for Dropbox. Dropbox. Yeah, good for Dropbox. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's just positive. It's not. No one died this time. So. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Dropbox finishes up thirty six percent on their first day of trading. So they went public. Uh, Irvin, I know you were excited about this. I don't know if you wanted to lead off on this one. Yeah, um, I was. I was following this a little bit. Um, Dropbox is one of one of the first players in this sort of file sharing type of service um it was early days I, I remember using it heavily in um college in terms of just just storing all my files so uh, they've been around for quite a while um and they finally um ipo'd so that means they put their stock on the public market um so um yeah it's a, it's a good um day for them um they're now worth above more than ten billion dollars, um, which is uh, great. And I think they're still one of the big players in this industry. Uh, they do have some big competitors like Box, uh, which IPO'd uh, a while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I think Dropbox. Some people are saying that Dropbox is like now it's they're they're being beat by all these other competitors and now it's not the right time to IPO. Um, they're they're viewing it as like this last straw to try to save themselves. <laughs> um, but um, I think there's still a lot of good uh, technology behind it. Um, of course, like I mentioned, it was their first one of the original ones that launched the, the, this type of service. Um, but um, it's also one of the, it is the only exits for, so this was of course funded by uh, private investors. One of them, um, I don't know if you guys are familiar, but Y Combinator is mm-hmm. one of the huge uh, investment firms. And this is the, actually the first company that they have invested in that launched uh, publicly. Um, so it was a great, uh-huh. it was great for them as well. Um, and they were one of their very early investors uh, within uh, Dropbox. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Dropbox has always done a has always done a good service. I have uh, fairly limited 
experience with working directly with their stuff, but I have used it for things um, just like people have put like mirror links to download from Dropbox and stuff like that. And uh, I used it briefly um, on like my MacBook and um, all that stuff for a while. And it's, it's a great service and it's always been a, a very viable and competitive option to something like Google or, um, um, or Microsoft's Office 365 suite. Azure, I think it would be. No, it's not Azure. It's just, um, I forget their cloud storage. OneDrive. OneDrive. Yeah, that's it. Um, It's always been a good option for anybody who doesn't want to put their, store their backup information and data in like one of the big five storage solutions. So I'm I'm happy for Dropbox that they've done well so far. And um, it's it's seeming like... um, uh, they had mentioned that um, they were hoping that going public would help differentiate their business model and their business practices from Box, uh, like you mentioned earlier, Urban. And um, judging by how they closed, it looks like they're doing pretty good so far. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Um, uh, we'll see if that that initial um, shot up uh, will continue. Um, yeah. I know that it was uh, the similar thing happened to Snap when they initially IPO'd the the stock shot up right away as soon as they launched in the market, and um, they just kept going back down. So um, we'll see how Dropbox is going to do. Uh, they did state that they they have convinced they have made eleven million of its five hundred million registered customers. Um, pay for their service. So that's a very small number compared to the amount of actual users that there is because they're going with that freemium model, right? So you get free, uh, certain gigabytes free of storage. And for most people, that's enough. They don't need to go and and buy more storage. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, it'd be interesting to see how much of, of those 500 million uh, customers can they convert even more than the 11 million that they have that's a true test right because you right. want the stock market that's all they care but they want paying customers they want that revenue yep. they want to see that so that's going to put them uh, yeah now that the they're test for sure now that they're public it'll be interesting to see what they uh come up with to right. stay competitive especially like like i was saying earlier in a market where you have amazon apple google microsoft atlassian and all these big cl- uh, cloud solutions that are um coming out with uh, like top-notch stored solutions like and some of them even like google offering freemium solutions as well yeah so i want to see how um they're able to be competitive in this market so guys do either of you use dropbox still not anymore not anymore no i moved away as soon as drive if yeah Yeah. i feel like as soon as drive became a thing that's when i stopped using dropbox yeah, so, it, for for me, it was already tied to the Gmail account that I had, so it was something. But if I ever leave any form of, if I ever leave Google, if something comes out with Google, um, with the whole data breach, then I think Dropbox might be the place I would go to. I feel like there's, yeah. I've heard good things about Amazon too, but yeah, the Amazon's always done a good job. Obviously, those two always come up in conversation, though. So, <laughs> AWS, man, they they started the whole thing. So, um, selling all that extra storage and compute power, but yeah, so best of luck to Dropbox. I hope they do well. And I'm sure we'll hear some updates coming from them down the line and seeing how they can manage to stay competitive. 
it's easier for a storage solution like a cloud storage solution like Dropbox to stay competitive than it is for, say, someone like Snap, where they have a more limited scope of a product. Yes, right. Mm-hmm. They're also trying to expand to Dropbox. They they want to see what else they they can offer as part of the service. I know they did some dabbling within like um, the um, collaboration type of document um, authoring uh-huh. um, that, of course, Drive does right with the Google Docs and, and Google Sheets and all that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they they dabbled in that um, a couple of years ago, um, but they're they're trying to expand to see what type of other features that they can afford, offer. I'm sure they'll come up with something yep. that'll entice people to start paying um, for their service. Yeah. And w- I don't think it'll be too hard for them to manage that. But um, only time will tell. Yep. Mm-hmm. And um, as time has shown every year, we also get to report on a Samsung issue. Um, we've had some problems with the S8 uh, when they first released. And we've all heard about the issues with the Note 7 when that happened um but uh there's now um the s9 now has a notch in its belt as well and the s9 plus so there um samsung is looking into some galaxy s9 touchscreen issues Uh, some of the users are reporting dead spots in various areas of the display so uh samsung spokesperson had said that they're looking into a limited number of reports of the touchscreen response in this issues and um, they're encouraging direct communication with Samsung to report these types of problems. Um, so, and we all know this isn't this isn't the worst that Samsung has gone through <laughs> in their history of their products. Uh, but I think that it's still just a notch in the the reputation of Samsung for uh, seemingly rushing their products to market. But uh, I'm curious to hear if you guys what your thoughts on on these are i don't nobody we know personally i think has an s9 so this is absolutely a hardware issue right so this mm. could have some serious financial implications on yeah it just how d- this does. depends on how many are affected yeah. Um, yeah out there right if it's a small percentage they could just exchange those for new ones that's not a huge problem and i'm sure they'll figure out where in the manufacturing process it went wrong Mm-hmm. Right. Um, it happens. Of course, Samsung makes a ton of phones. So if even a half a percentage of them are uh, affected by this, that's still a huge amount of phones mm-hmm. um, because they make so many. They're, they're uh, one of the biggest uh, smartphone manufacturers in the world. So um, and if this is going to be a popular phone uh, from the reviews that I have it, that I've read. It's uh, pretty good. It's it's one of the best um, Samsung has created so far. Yeah, people seem to, to like that on on it. But um, to me, it looks it's the S8 done right. Like they put the fingerprint right. sensor in the correct spot. Um, it's the first smartphone with a um, variable aperture lens. Um, I think that's the right term for it. Um, yes, yeah. it is. Cool. I can I can talk about cameras too, Irvin. See, <laughs> <laughs> and um, uh, it's reportedly it's just using the same super amoled display that samsung has always had which is far better than the competition in terms of quality and picture 
Well, you know why? Because the competition just buys it from Samsung, yeah. and Samsung yeah. keeps the best displays for themselves. Yeah, yeah. I gotta let Apple, because Apple, the iPhone 10 uses Samsung display as well. <laughs> They're gonna give them the second tier display. <laughs> yeah, and speaking of the uh, iPhones, I wonder. The article does briefly mention this. I wonder if this is related to the touch disease issue that we saw with the iPhone sixes mm-hmm. and the six S. I wonder question. if it's related to that. But what were you saying, Jeff? I thought you were. Oh, I said that's a good question. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and for anybody who wasn't familiar with touch disease on iOS, uh, it was over a period of time, the iPhone, their screen would start in one section of your screen. It would start not no longer responding to touch gestures or anything. And then it had gradually spread throughout the screen. Some users even reporting the majority of their iPhone screen was unusable after a certain amount of time. Yeah, and Apple was uh, so generous to offer to fix that for about $150, if I remember. <laughs> so I wonder what Samsung's approach will be on that, whether or not they'll do this kind of yeah. pro bono, so to speak. Yeah, well, Samsung has had a, a few PR nightmares in their history, so I'm assuming that they're going to do anything in their power to make sure their customers are happy going they, forward. They have so. a, a hefty bankroll, too. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah, especially with all the um, with all the uh, issues, it's good to know that it's not a battery issue anymore with Samsung. It's an issue with the display now. So, but and and then also, we hear this for most smartphones that come out as well. They, yeah. they always have a, a an issue with the first round of phones that come out, and usually the second or third batch is pretty ironed out by that time. And even you and I can speak to that also, Jeff, with the Pixels. Yeah. Um, uh, the pixels have improved substantially since the initial reviews in terms of software capabilities and displays. And you, you even you were saying you didn't have the display issues in general. And um, I've been I have, seeing reviewers come back with like a like a, a second look at the pixel, saying that the display issues are no longer a problem for them. I haven't had any of the reported issues on Pixel phone with my personal device. So and you're one of the first ones that they had it. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I ordered like, it. It's not even a later model that supposedly fixes those hardware issues. Yeah, to, mm-hmm. to give um, you an idea, I think it was the day that Pixel Buds were announced is when I ordered my Pixel 2 XL. So yeah. I got mine in the mail sometime in, I think, October? No, no, November, I think. I think it was late October or something. Something like that. So yeah. I got mine like two weeks after yours. Right. So, yeah. But, yeah, so it's, we'll see where this goes. Um, so far, the phone has been fantastic with Samsung, and um, I guess we'll find out if anything else happens down the line through Samsung. And well, if, if there's w- if there's one person from i4o that might test this phone, my guess would be it'd be Irvin, because yeah. <laughs> you go through phones like no one else I've ever met. <laughs> yeah, no comment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not that there's anything wrong with that. Yeah. No, that's not even a diss. It's just yeah what's most probable <laughs> he's just yeah. stating a fact he's, yeah, he's just stating a fact and i'll even like i i'll go to best buy and i'll play with them too so I'm, yes uh, but you don't buy them yeah. <laughs> you don't have the fever hey man you got to stay on the bleeding edge yeah, yeah. Man. always the bleeding edge always the bleeding edge and I'm like, I, even I'm guilty of that now. I'm running Android P. I'm running the developer preview one, which they told people not to put on their primary smartphones because it's incredibly unstable. I'm but so tempted to do it too. <laughs> it's been pretty good so far. Like I can't complain about the, uh, about Android P like the, it's been smooth. Battery life has been fantastic now. Like my standby is on par with some older generation iPhones, like the six and six S nice where 
it's just a very slow drain. Like it sips battery when I'm not doing anything with it. Any difference in charging? Uh, nothing that I've noticed. Okay. So, I mean, I always slow charge my phone at night, so I don't get any kind of indication on quick charging. I'll only do that if I'm at work and I'm low on battery from listening to music all day or something. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I try to slow charge my phone at night just for the health of the battery, but yeah. um, nothing so far with that. Um, apps, some apps have been giving me like API warnings because they're not obviously not targeting Android P yet. So that's always an interesting thing to see. But yeah, um, so far so good. Um, it's it's really weird. I've never ever in ever my history of getting these developer previews recommended anyone download developer preview one, just because they're usually an unusable nightmare. But this one is the closest thing to a stable beta I've seen, and it's only their first iteration of the preview. So I'm sometimes, impressed. Sometimes you luck out. I remember, like you guys remember, I used to test the ios betas like i think ios 11 yeah. the first one i tested that so mm -hmm. sometimes you make out okay with it yeah <laughs> there's been like some random app crashes and like some stuff not working but um it's yeah. interesting to know that uh if you do download it and you relock your bootloader you can still use android pay or now known as google pay um but yeah that's something that in some developer previews they've locked you out of but yeah it's a pretty good asset mm -hmm. yeah I think uh, another great asset of it is that you can brag about all the features you can use that other people can. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> people are still on Android N, and I'm two generations ahead of them already. Yeah, yeah. that's just one of the perks of owning a Pixel phone. It is. Right. You um, get everything up to date quickly. And not a Pixel phone, but <laughs> <laughs> another phone. <laughs> Huawei uh, is losing Best Buy as a retail partner. That's one of the perks of owning a Huawei phone. Huawei, oh, yeah. So. Huawei's been having a, a tough time trying to get into the U.S. market, a real tough time. So mm -hmm. if many of you might not be familiar with Huawei phones, but it is the third biggest uh, smartphone ma manufacturer in the world. Um, yep. Most people in the U.S. has never even heard of them. Um, but uh, they are a Chinese company. So they, they are a Chinese company who makes smartphones. Also, they make laptops as well they make other products mm -hmm. um and they've been trying to get into the u.s market trying to sell those smartphones they initially had drafted a couple deals with the carriers including verizon and at&t to to get um their smartphones at at, at those carriers to be being sold to u.s uh, consumers uh, but last minute both of those carriers pulled out of that deal uh because of uh, pressure from the U.S. government uh, stating that there might be some sort of uh, spying going on it, because it is a Chinese manufacturer of uh, smartphones. And there's for whatever, if it's true or not, there's a theory out there that they're putting spyware on these phones. The Chinese government is uh, because Huawei is also owned by part by the Chinese government. So that's where yeah. the theory sort of were sort of starts. Yeah, they were originally, um, I think, a defense company for China yeah. using uh, military software and hardware. Um, <laughs> Always like a good sign. <laughs> What's that? Always a good sign. Yeah. Yeah. It's a good sign. But I think that this company has as much of a chance of having spyware and being tied in with the Chinese government as like ZTE, Blue. Um, the one company who was actually caught doing that was being blue um, and like several other of the um, smaller uh, lower end Android phone 
uh, makers. Most of them come straight from China. So I've, Huawei is just on the more premium end of that end. Um, yeah. So I'm, now they got the last blow. Now best. So since the all these carriers pulled out the U.S. carriers, they didn't want to sell them in their stores. Best Buy's still kept the deal that we're going to sell these phones unlocked to a full price. You can just go and walk into a Best Buy store. You can buy these phones, Huawei phones. Um, and now Best Buy has decided to um, stop uh, doing that. Uh, so you can no longer buy them at any any Best Buy retail location or on, on their website, uh, yeah. which I think is a huge blow to Huawei trying to get into the U.S. market. Um even yeah. though a lot of people don't buy phones full price, right? In the U.S., majority of the time, that how people acquire smartphones is through a carrier, through a contract, or through that monthly payment that they do now. Um, um, most people don't buy smartphones outright. Um, very small percentage do. So I don't know how much business they were getting from Best Buy who were selling these phones at full price, but... Now they don't even have the opportunity to sell them anymore. Mm -hmm. I wonder if they're going to go back on their initial push to move into the U.S. market with all this backlash from consumers and retailers, or if they'll just um, remain an online uh, seller of the phone. Because it is a, it's a fantastic-looking phone hardware-wise yeah. and spec-wise. It's got that dual Leica camera. A 4,000 milliamp hour battery. It can do portrait mode on its photos. It's got a really nice display. Um, they and make it, their own processor, right? Yeah, they, they make their own. Yeah. yeah, which has been reportedly faster in some scenarios than the Snapdragon chip. And so, also cl very close to the iPhone performance in terms of benchmarks. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's a, it's a very, very powerful alternative to some of the higher end Android phones and I think it's a it's kind of a shame that it's getting a, a knock as hard as it is um, without Huawei having a chance to prove itself or open itself up to any kind of vetting in some way to prove that they're going to be an, a fair and equal competitor in the U.S. market. Um, but um, security security concerns have are not something new to Huawei um, in the United States. They've um, They've been going through some of these issues all the way back since 2012. So it's a very familiar name to U.S. security contractors and government workers. So I wonder if it's just a, a bad name. Um, but yeah, Huawei and ZTE in 2012 um, were accused by the U.S. House Intelligence Committee of making telecommunications equipment that posted, posed national security threats, leaking information to the Chinese government. But um, it's hard to tell whether this one, this particular instance of um, of criticism going towards Huawei is directed specifically because of new information or if it's just because of their reputation. So Probably a little bit of both. I mean, yeah. just recently we had the uh, FBI saying don't use these things because we in the NSA don't trust them. So. Mm -hmm. And uh, for, for what it's worth, um, Huawei was involved in the last generation of Google's Nexus line in the Nexus 6P. That was a phone developed and made by Huawei. So, I also have the Huawei watch, we, which we both owned. Um, I'm currently wearing. Which you're currently wearing. Here, <laughs> just, just block the microphone, Matt. They're listening yeah. to us. Yeah. It's disconnected now because I never repaired it after Android P. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it's, 
it's uh they, they make fantastic hardware and like i said and like you were saying Irvin, you and me can personally vouch for the quality of their hardware so um but it is what it is and um hopefully huawei can find themselves comfortably sitting in an online retail space much similar in the way to oneplus and zte are for some of their higher end phones but um time will tell so yeah so and time has told us <laughs> some uh, information that we've reported to you guys earlier um there we, we talked a while ago about chrome's um updates and what their larger releases are going to entail and we even uh brought this up again when it came up in their beta release for chrome but now in chrome's next official update um there will now be a blocking of autoplay videos with sound by default in google chrome and that is something that i am beyond excited for and uh, especially Irvin, now that we have a CNET article in our show notes, we'll be especially happy to know that he won't have to block them anymore. <laughs> yeah, I don't have to block them. We'll just automatically do it, uh, so, yeah. which is great. Yeah. Um, so this sort of feature was originally scheduled for Chrome 64, but it was delayed. Um, and Chrome 64 is supposed to arrive in January. Uh, we are now in March. Um, um, so they have delayed it um, to permanently mute, mute annoying sites that abuse autoplay videos. Mm -hmm. um, but now we get this feature. Um, it's great. It started popping up in beta channels, and it's going to uh, go public next month. Um, mm -hmm. It's overall great. Yeah, it seems like they had a few kinks they needed to work out just because um, the changes were originally scheduled for the Chrome 64 update, which came out in January. Um, and that's where they had that feature that you and me, Irvin, were talking about before the show where you can mute this whole site permanently. So um, yeah. that's where that feature initially came about. Um, but it's going to be released in Chrome 66. So I, I, I can pretty much say that we'll be testing this live on shows <laughs> while we have reference articles and you know on-the-fly research going on. We'll see if we get any interruptions. Yeah, we're gonna have exclusively a CNET-based show, so they can <laughs> test, <laughs> so they can test everything. I'm excited though. It's it's this is great because it's also going to be not only on their desktop uh, browsers, but it'll also be on their mobile browsers as well. Yeah. So, Very which cool. is gonna be really nice. Mm -hmm. I hate having to like look for the videos as they autoplay or they pop up on the right side, pinned to the corner. But I'm happy. Now, now we don't need to use extensions like we do now yeah. uh, for shows. Yep. That's why we had to <laughs> install different <laughs> extensions trying to stop these autoplay videos. Mm -hmm. So uh, for anybody who's wondering how it works, uh, the browser will only play them automatically if the sound isn't playing by default. So if the video just starts playing with audio muted, or if you clicked and interact with the site, or if you have previously shown an interest in media. So I'm assuming there may be some kind of machine learning involved on on Google's end on deciding whether or not they mute autoplay on the, the website. So it'll be interesting to see how it works. Because um, shown an interest in media on the site is a very vague term. So I'm yeah. wondering what the technology behind that is. But it's exciting stuff. It's always good to report. Um, features that have been requested on Chrome that are finally being released. One improvement that uh, Google is also working on is trying to make their um, services more um, accessible to people with disabilities. 
Right. And now they have um, worked on improving maps for we people with wheelchairs, uh, which is awesome news. It is. Um, yeah. And this comes as a result of their 20% time, which is given to all Googlers, which um, for anybody who isn't familiar with the 20% uh, time, it's a it's a, a almost like a mantra at the company where the various employees are given 20% of their workload to go and focus on something that they want to create for the company. And this was a result of that 20% time. Um, several Google employees took that time and decided to make Google Maps more wheelchair accessible, which is a very, I think it's a fantastic use of time mm -hmm. and it improves the feature and service for everybody, which is really nice. I'd imagine this is what Google hopes they can get out of the 20% time, you know, mm -hmm. things that benefit so many people in just positive ways. Um, and for anyone who isn't aware of this, uh, the wheelchair accessible routes um, are available in New York, London, Tokyo, Mexico City, Boston, and Sydney. So some big name cities with a lot of people who are probably going to benefit from this quite a bit. Mm -hmm. yeah, and it's, all, it's for transit navigation to be in specific. So if you have you're taking bus, train, things like that in those cities, then there's a checkbox in the settings that you can now enable uh, to say only show me a wheelchair accessible routes. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I think this um, this is just it's re it's one of the things that is just really exciting to see um, good features with real with really good ideas being given uh, priority in um, in their work, and um, it's just it's an it's another piece of good news coming out of a a thing that I'm sure many people use daily. So it's going to be super useful, and it'll be exciting to see when it rolls out into other cities, but. I wonder if this is actually um, populated by their local guides uh, is data collection that they use. Um, I don't know if you... it could be because it's sometimes about a certain location. If you're one of those local guides that it asks particular information and this could be one of those, is this place a wheelchair accessible? You can say yeah. yes. And it's more of a crowdsourced um, database, which is, I think, great. But mm -hmm. it, could, it definitely could be one of the sources that it's pulling from. Yeah. Um, because that would be interesting to see how, because that's always like with these things, like I always am like fascinated to see how they get the data, not only like what they need to, to create the technology behind it, but like how they're able to obtain that data. And I'm sure that in those cities like New York and Boston and Sydney, that there are a lot of Google local guides that are populating this information and yeah. it may just be the first complete sets that they have. It looks like uh, last year they added accessibility details and they asked users to input information regarding the handicap accessibility of different locations. Yeah, because um, I actually am a, a local guide and I think I've seen questions asking if some of these locations that I've been to are wheelchair accessible. So maybe Philadelphia isn't far behind in terms of the rollout. So we'll see. Uh, yeah, we'll see. Yeah. And um, one place but, that's know, not behind, but potentially stepping forward is <laughs> North Dakota. I was going to um, say something very similar to that. <laughs> of course you were. <laughs> so North Dakota is looking to update or upgrade all their schools to high-speed internet. Um, not just high-speed. Yeah. Gigabit. 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 That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's pretty high-speed. <laughs> if you had told me that the first state to do this was North Dakota, I would have called you a liar. Um, but 
Uh, that's it's fantastic news for them. They probably do have a bit. It's probably a fairly easy for a state like North Dakota to do it versus say all of California or like New York. But um, yeah, they are um, they're in, they're doing this in an effort to improve digital learning by enabling one gigabit connectivity for every school district in North Dakota, which is huge. And um, they they said that while they already rank high nationally in connectivity for K through 12, the upgrades yet cost neutral will ensure that our schools have the bandwidth and speed they need to prepare students for a 21st century economy. Mm-hmm. So yeah. that's a, a huge effort undergoing. And um, they have across the entire state over 100,000 students across 175 districts in North Dakota. So um that's impressive enough as it is. And the fact that they already had uh, the minimum recommended bandwidth goal of 100 kilobits per second per student. It's still really so, good. <laughs> yeah. It's not bad. Yeah. For so, school setting. Mm-hmm. But uh, this is uh, another example of just good work being done to improve technology through schools, especially in schools, because that's super important to, like they were saying, just to get people prepared for the world that they're about to be thrust into with the expansion of the internet and um, all this, uh, all the information happening online now, pretty much. Yeah, um, you have to considering. Assume, yeah, you have to assume the classroom's got, like going to change so much in mm-hmm. even the next 10, 20 years, where almost everything's going to be electronic. I would think, um, mm-hmm. and the interaction even between the pupil and the instructor it's probably going to be electronic um you know obviously people still talk and interact like humans but uh maybe for like grading papers on the fly or like anti-cheating when taking tests like i don't know instant grading things like that yeah gigabit will enable a crazy new infrastructure that um, it professionals could enable within various school districts and um, being able to have that much bandwidth means that they can really push some of their products like to the limit and really expand some of the services they offer. So that, like you're saying, like they'd be able to upload and download very, very like um, high storage projects that students may be working on. Like, for example, if there's like a, a media class where some student was working on a video that's potentially gigabytes in size, um, they would enable a more responsive classroom and be able to focus on teaching and not connecting to the internet. So, um, also just uh, to note, um, it is the largest incremental update seen on their network since they installed it back in 2000. So, um, this is a huge step forward for them, and it's very forward thinking, which um, I think is good news for North Dakota. And nice to see out of a school. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that's. One of the places that I think that some of this technology should be focused in is the technology or the education space, whether it's in universities or even in K through 12, um, like sixth grade through 12th grade type thing. Yeah, um, it's it's good news. Um, and they're on the leading edge of it, North Dakota. So Go North Dakota. Yeah. Good looks for them. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So um, and also it, it could one thing I didn't even think of is um it would be useful for emergency services also having that kind of connectivity, being able to ensure higher bandwidth in um, cases of emergencies because there's more and more phones are Wi-Fi calling enabled now than before. So um, this would be incredibly useful 
for those types of scenarios but absolutely mm -hmm. but um i think with that that brings us towards the end of the show uh, unless you guys have any closing comments uh okay then so yeah uh as for us um we are available on many various social media platforms um bandwidth may vary depending on your location but oh. if you're in if you're in a north dakotan school you'll be able to download all of our podcasts within a matter of seconds which is always <laughs> nice but <laughs> um and where you would download those podcasts is at podbean at industry 40 all spelled out dot podbean dot com um, you can also find us episode by episode on Google Play, iTunes, and Stitcher at Industry 4.0, and Stitcher would be I4O. Um, you can also listen to us live on Twitch and Twitter at Industry 4.0, all spelled out. And uh, we also post fairly regularly to both our Facebook and Twitter of the same name. Um, and also, if you like what you're hearing, feel free to drop us a review. It helps us improve our service and helps us get better information to you guys. And we also just like hearing uh, back from our listeners. It's always a good thing to, to know what we're doing right and doing wrong. So if you like us, feel free to drop by iTunes or Stitcher and leave us a review. And uh, if you want, we'll even give you a, a shout out on the show. So, um, But uh, Jeff, I know you have a, a new song that you're working on. Uh, found at soundcloud.com slash the jbones yeah new so to speak <laughs> yeah uh it's called ascent and yeah. i wrote it a couple weeks ago now and published it it's just kind of a chill simple relax you can kind of just zone out and enjoy it um i'm a fan of it <laughs> and uh i am too yeah i'd like to point out too just make sure you use that new soundcloud url uh the jbones because i'm not sure who added a comment in our show notes, but uh, my old URL, F-R-E-H, is now owned by a, a different user. <laughs> so if you go there, then it's not my work. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so soundcloud.com slash the J Bones. If only we could go back and re-edit all the episodes to, yeah. to change it, but it's how we've it's how we've changed as a show as well. But right. um, also, I think I recognize those beautiful images that you have there for your album covers. Yes, and they're all from one source, uh, our own lovely Ryan Thompson. And his photos, <laughs> uh, the ones that are featured on my tracks, as well as so many more awesome photos, can be found at flickr.com slash photos slash Wayne R. Thompson, uh, or on Instagram, he's Wayne Ryan 21 I personally love his stuff that he's putting out i think i've liked every photo he's ever done <laughs> it's just a, a great talent yeah um, he's, he's got a good instagram presence as well yeah. Yeah. yeah i think you said it already wayne ryan 21 yeah i did yeah and then uh i was so lost in the photos and another guy that we work with here uh Irvin has an instagram account as well oh, i know that guy oh, yeah. Irvin, why don't you dive in there i know too <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, um, I have a I have a, a smaller um, Instagram page. I don't post it as often as I would like to, but um, hopefully in the future I'll, I'll get uh, more pictures up there. Um, but you can follow me. Be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah, <laughs> definitely have to get on top of that. But if you want to check out my page on Instagram, you can look at Irvin uh, dot Lucas is the user account that you All right. look for. Good we, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And uh, with that, that has been episode 44. Thank you guys for joining us, and we'll see you again next week. Bye.